ABA Generalized. I'm Anne, BCBA. I'm Erica. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Erica. I'm also BCBA. And I'm G, and I'm an RBG. (laughs) Um, So today we decided to talk about the four functions of behavior, but first let's go over uh, what is ABA for a little review. Yeah, so um, just a quick little tidbit on ABA, you know, it's the science of behavior and, you know, we adapt and modify someone's behavior based upon the function and social significance. Yeah, so, and we base the functions off of observable behaviors, right? So, of course, we know that things go on internally, but that's hard to measure because we... We measure everything, we graph everything, which means that we have to see it, we have to be objective about it, and sometimes what's going on internally is not objective, and it's a lot of guesswork. So um, <clears throat> so let's go into the four functions of behavior. Um, G, do you want to start out with attention? Well, so hold on, let me back up. So the four functions that in ABA that we track are attention, escape, sensory, and access to tangibles or an activity. So I actually have a pretty good example of what's going on with one of my current clients for attention. Um, One of, he is a big attention seeker. He'll tantrum, he'll have aggression, um, all for attention. Um, And his We just actually got to move preschools, but right before we moved preschools, his teacher was giving him a lot of attention for the, um, for those behaviors of like when he would tantrum, she would get down on his level and be like, we can't do that. We need to have a quiet mouth. Or when he would like, he would pull her hair and again, she'd turn around and be like, that's not acceptable. You can't do that. And he's four. So a, he's not really understanding her correcting him at all and b he's getting exactly what he wants from that behavior like he wants her to turn around he wants her to react and give him attention so that is how like the behavior was like continuing to increase at school but then he also comes to the clinic once a week and when he was at the clinic we were all rbts and bcbas and it's obviously it's an aba clinic so we were all very trained so we would just like look at you know, any other RBT around and be like, no, just like shaking our head. No. And everyone would know to like walk away, ignore it, turn their back towards him. You know, he could be screaming at the top of his lung in the middle of our natural environment area and nobody's looking at him. And uh, it stopped way quicker than it did at school because he was not getting the attention that he wanted. And then he would, he, he's semi-verbal. So he would then use like you know, his cues and be like, you know, I want a hug or I'm all done or, you know, whatever he needed to request at that point. And then we'd give him the proper attention. So it's, so that's like an example of attention behavior or attention as a function um, and how it also can be really reinforced in some environments. And then if it's actually ignored properly um, and done properly, like how it can eliminate that. And I think it's important to add that, you know, if something or if someone is engaging in attention-seeking behavior that we want to decrease, 
it's okay to ignore that as long as they're safe. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of, I get a lot of feedback on like, you know, like if they're, if they're tantruming, like, oh, I can't let them tantrum. It's like, well, they can cry as long as they want, as long as they're safe. Like you don't have to just like completely shut them out. Like you can still be there and present with them, but we're not going to feed into that behavior. All he's doing is crying. Like, and he's, again, he's just standing there. He's not hurting himself. He's not hurting others. He's not properly doing property destruction. Like, literally, he's just sitting there crying, staring at us, waiting for us to turn around. (laughs) And I think that it also gets difficult sometimes when the function changes while the behavior is occurring, right? And I know that, like, for for that example, it is strictly attention. Um, But I've I've had clients in the past, um, one particular that I'm thinking of, little three-year-old boy, and, like... RBT was not giving any attention at all, but then was also removing items and activities from the environment because they were throwing the things and because they were, you know, trying to access other items where cleanup was the initial directive, but then it became like an attention thing where they were just tantruming like crazy. And um, then it became this whole other spiral as well you know um but then they still didn't get what they were looking for but we also didn't see a change in the behavior so that's when we have to relook at everything um and that just goes back to like once again the functions change as time goes on as well as well as behaviors and their definitions also change something that i learned sorry g i was gonna this is kind of specific to attention something that when I was an RBT that a BCBA told me was pretend that everything's attention seeking. And that really stuck with me. Like, even if they want access to a toy, you know, and they're engaging in tantrum because you took a toy away, it could turn, you know, like you said, there could be dual functions. It could turn into a different function still ignoring that and I guess we should do an episode on the strategies (laughs) um so let's yeah we that can we can save that for a a different episode um but that always stuck with me like you know if it if it's not attention seeking now it could turn into attention seeking yeah and you both just mentioned like another function of like getting a tangible or like wanting access to a tangible or like an activity which can also removing it or again like denying access to it could also lead to some of these behaviors yeah and that's also why things also go back to attention sometimes right like Anne was just saying if you have if you're removing or if you're redirecting a kid for any of the functions of the behaviors they're most likely going to get reinforced by attention and we don't yeah I mean it is it is providing attention and you know it, it all depends on the kid if you give them just a little bit of attention like they catch on to it and it only takes one time to reinforce aggression tantrums you know self-injurious behaviors for them to be like oh I got that reaction I'm gonna do it again mm-hmm. yeah for, I um, actually just a BCBA just told me something really like similar to that um, a client has like never been like a per- a kid to spit, but like she spit on the floor and the RBT and the BCBA just looked at each other and did absolutely nothing. And like so far it hasn't come back, but 
they really they strongly believe that if they would have reacted to that 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 would have become a new behavior for her and she would have like just been again we don't know if it was attention or sensory or what but like she did it and they both just were like we're just gonna act like it never happened and continue on with the day and again it hasn't to this day it hasn't come up again it was a newer behavior that was like last week but yeah I have um I have someone who curses a little one Same. who curses a lot and uses the words correctly like it's funny to me that's funny like and I'm like oh I can't laugh because they're just gonna keep doing it but the BTs are like oh you know we don't say that we say nice words and I'm like nope you're not saying anything to that at all I said pretend you didn't hear it and they're like what really and I'm like yeah like act like nothing ever happened yeah because they're like they 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 know like oh I curse all day long I think okay. cursing is one of the harder behaviors to eliminate or decrease because it's such like a thing like we as adults do it right like we I feel like I've been cursing like a sailor since I was 13 so <laughs> but I mean I think that I think it's such a hard behavior to diminish because we hear it on TV, we hear it on the radio, we listen to explicit music, it's always there. So like getting the attention from that already, like you're getting reinforced and then you get attention for, you know, redirection of it. And it's like, well, why? Like, I'm just going to keep doing it if I'm being told don't do it. Like, man, if you told your daughter to not curse and she started cursing, like she's going to continue to do it, right? Like, yep. Well, and we tell her, so for those who don't know, I have a six-year-old and she'll, she'll repeat stuff here and there, but we tell her like, you can say that at home, but you're not saying that at school. Absolutely not. And she knows, like, she's very aware of, you know, how to behave in different settings. <laughs> she, she's completely fine at school, you know? Um, and she'll like, she'll say curse words here and there, like, just to see like to test our reaction it's definitely not an everyday occurrence but like if she sees that like me and my husband are laughing at what some what the other one said she'll she wants to join in on it because she sees that you know it's socially like acceptable between us two yeah and speaking okay so this is a really good transition to go into the next the next uh function that I want to talk about escape so this, this is what I got attacked by a stick yesterday. A stick? I got like, a, like a tree branch stick or no, like, like a stick that was on the ground. Okay. I got attacked. So a tree branch. No, you can't. No. Okay. It was a stick. It's small. I got a scratch. You can't see it at all. <laughs> but it's like, it's like a three inch scratch. And I was wearing pants. <laughs> listen we <laughs> we went to a farmer's market <laughs> we went to a farmer's market just got out of the car had <laughs> my one-year-old in the stroller I must have rolled over the stick and it like shot up and went in my pant leg like in between my pant my yoga pants and my skin and scratched me 
So this whole time I thought this was a client that also attacked you, by the way. I, for the record, for the record, G and I had no idea where this was going. (laughs) That's why I didn't tell you before things. (laughs) So cursing, I was cursing. What the effing stick, effing F this, F that. And, you know, my husband's like, why? Why are we? And I was like, it hurts. Like, so <laughs> me cursing, that's my behavior, right? The antecedent, I got attacked by a stick. <laughs> and what my was the consequence? I, what? And what was the consequence to this behavior? Um, extinction. I mean, my husband kind of put my cursing on extinction, but I was... In my head, I was cursing because I wanted the pain to stop. So that kind of goes back to like the internalization of I got hurt and I'm cursing. That's how I'm reacting to it. (laughs) Because cursing feels good, which might be a dual sensory function. (laughs) This is getting too complicated now. (laughs) Back to escape, Anne. Back to escape. Back to escape. Uh, I mean, I feel like a, an easier example would be elopement. You know, a kid's running away because you said, it's time to clean up blocks. And they don't want to clean up, so they run. Any demand, honestly. Like like I was saying before, my little guy that was engaging in all those behaviors because he wanted to escape the demand of cleanup and it changed to attention at the same time. And tangible is an activity. Like, the function of this behavior was just all over the place because it was dual functioned. Um, but yeah, any sort of demand, like if we don't want to do something, we're going to try and escape it. Right. Like, and engage in all these other behaviors. And we see it a lot in our, our kiddos that are unable to express their wants and needs. And that's why we really, really heavily focus on teaching them to advocate for themselves and say, no. Um, I know a lot of my programs incorporate request training, like heavy requesting, um, in order to, um, you know, say that you're all done with something or that you want something in general or, you know, whatever the situation may be, or even saying no. Um, I don't know if that's something that you see in your programs a lot, G, or like from your BCBAs, but I know, and I'm sure that you as well do that in your programs. Yeah. Something that I see now is, like in our behavior intervention plans for, you know, for whatever the behavior is, there's always, okay, what's the replacement behavior we're going to use? So if they're eloping to get out of a task, then how can we appropriately get them to get out of the task by teaching them to say, I'm done with this, or I need more time playing with this. I'm not ready to clean up. Something like that. It's, it's, so easy and it's so easy to overlook right like you can redirect and you can you can block all you want but they're still going to want to get out of it so you have to teach them like you know by signing text whatever it doesn't just have to be vocally and I'm sure this is something we'll talk about in the future but like then transitioning from like teaching them how to like man for no or man for like don't want and then having to be like well we still have to do that so I had a kiddo the other day that we are we're teaching him how to say no like don't want instead of screaming at us because that's what he would do is he didn't want to do something so he'd scream 
So he, I said, okay, I like just changed his diaper and I was like, all right, it's time to wash hands. And he goes, no. I was like, oh, gotta do it. Gotta honor that one. (laughs) I was like, oh, well, thank you for telling me no. Great job using your words. But we have to. Yeah. Sorry, um, not a choice. <laughs> health and it. safety. Health and it safety. Does get to the point where we do need to like shape and things. Um, and it gets a little complicated, but you know, definitely like praise them for using their language. And then there are some situations of like, no, we have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually really funny. So I, <laughs> I didn't tell you guys this, but I was, so after I tested my microphone last night, I was on my computer, just looking at some old videos that I had recorded. And I think, I think you guys also had to do this when you were RBTs with the company we were working for, um, during the pandemic, recording some of our sessions for our BCBAs yeah. that couldn't be there in person. So I actually came across little girl. I think you guys know who I'm going to be talking about right now. Little girl that uh, um, I worked with for a very long time. Um, She came up on my recordings and used to just full on knock over towers. Um, She would just do it without asking for anything. And this goes back to escape, right? Um, so she didn't want other people to have control over their buildings or anything like that. So we were working on copy block design. And then after I noticed I was blocking, always blocking the blocks from being knocked down because she would do it. So I praise her. And then she would like put her foot out. (laughs) So she'd be sitting crisscross applesauce and then just like put her foot out. I'm like, girl, what are you supposed to say? And she goes, I want, can I knock it down? (laughs) And then just like full on, like knock it down with her feet and like do that whole thing. But, um, you know, it took a while to get us there because before that it would even be just like my tower would be starting to be built and she would just full on like knock it down because she didn't want to do the work or she didn't like the way that it was being built or the fact that it was a demand. Um, So just wanted to throw that little tidbit in there. It was really cute. I miss miss that little nugget (laughs) um yeah I mean I feel like I don't know I think escape is one of the easier ones to decrease I guess it depends but I just thinking of other like especially sensory so hard to decrease so hard so let's let's talk about that one next um so I mean, I have a ton of examples. Do either of you want to share? Like, I mean, it could be like we all, and sorry, my brain is going so fast. Like it's going faster than my words can come out. (laughs) You're right. There's there's just a lot of them because like a lot of our kiddos are ones that stim and like that's where you're kind of seeing that, like that function. And it's like, I know like I had a kiddo that was a flapper and we kind of just, we're never going to get it to zero. Like it's something that helps regulate them and helps, you know, let them focus on the day to day. So we kind of just turned it into like specific times that he could do it. And like, these are times that like, you know, with a token economy or with a visual schedule or whatever, like he kind of just learns like this is a, an appropriate time to do that. And this is like not appropriate 
to be doing that. And that's something that I try and remind my technicians too, is like, we're never going to get sensory to zero. That is just not something that we can ever do. Because if you think about it, we all engage in sensory. We all engage in sensory. (laughs) We all engage in sensory. Um. Yes. And I think that's so hard, like for parents to be like, you know, this doesn't look normal. Mimi, get out of the cup. Mimi, my cat is literally drinking out of a cup. Attention. Attention seeking. Maybe some sensory. Water bottle. You can spray cats, okay? Punishment. We don't use punishment. We do not use punishment for the record. Right. Um, so and and just uses it with her cats. It's fine. It's different. Just okay. <laughs> she doesn't need so, an ethics committee to approve of a punishment procedure for her cats. Listen, it's fine. She and she can't hear me. So how else am I supposed to stop her? Old <laughs> cats. It's, it's okay. all a roller coaster ride. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, we all engage in se- sensory itching, nail biting. Yep. Uh, chewing gum I mean it's shaking your leg to like even like okay. tapping a pencil like I I'm I'm currently doing it right now I'm picking at my own fingers underneath the table because that's just how I cope with things like I have my me. hands in my pockets and I'm like playing with the pockets so yeah I play with my <laughs> hair all the time I'm like always always I, I play with my earbud case like when I'm on a telehealth session, I'm like constantly opening and closing, opening and closing. So, and those are all, you know, in in society, they're all okay to do. But why isn't hand flapping okay? You know, like why 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 did we deem that that looks weird? Yep. So it's like something to kind of think about when it's like, okay, why do we want to decrease these behaviors? It's doing something for our clients and if we stop it that might be harmful more harmful for them because we don't know I feel like sensory kind of goes into internally you know like how you're internally feeling and we can't control that we have no idea what's going on unless they can vocalize and say but like can we really vocalize like why why do I play with my hair <laughs> you know, like I don't. I'm not going to explain why I play with my hair to you. Like I, that's not none of your business. <laughs> and I feel like honestly, the only time I've ever seen it like be put into a program to decrease it is if it's like, if I know for the again the hand flapper that I was just referring to, like that client, it was like impeding on his schoolwork. Like during yes. him doing like worksheets and stuff, like he could not listen to the teacher's instructions while he was doing like engaging in that behavior so like that is the only reason we had to like decrease it during specific times because again it was like impeding on his like day-to-day and him learning at school and needing like all of those extra prompts and everything during like class time so like I feel like it's that's like the only time at least I've seen it be targeted to decrease is like when it's impeding Yeah. And that's definitely the only time that I really focus heavily on it where I write any sort of programs to decrease sensory is it's typically to create an alternative when I do any sort of decrease, right? Like I'm trying to teach them to utilize that 
sensory experience in a different way or obtain it in a different way. So I currently have a, a child, um, actually two kids that really heavily engage that I can just think of off the top of my head, really heavily engage in mouthing behaviors. And it's like, mm-hmm. mouthing is one of the harder ones to kind of uh, redirect because especially if you have kids that are not able to express their wants and needs, right? that's when it really is the most difficult. But um, I find that if a kid really needs it, they're going to just go for the first thing that they they can find. So like, sometimes it's their fingers, sometimes it's a, you know, an item that's nearby or, you know, um, anything along those lines. And that just, you know, increases the sensory output uh, or input to output. Um, and I think that, again, it's probably the most difficult one to decrease because I can't give a four-year-old gum. Like I can't give, you know, I can give them like a Z-Vibe maybe, um, or like a toothbrush or like a chewy of some sort, but who's to say that they're going to actually like it? Like I have another kid that I'm thinking of, chews through his chewies, chews through them where he's like physically, or he has like, um, I don't have any on my desk, but, um, you know, there's these little, um, like dinosaur tails that he'll bite on and he'll just like chew off of like, or it's like, like, we need like a dog equivalent to like a Kong. Yeah. That's a socially a significant and appropriate though, like socially appropriate of like what someone can actually do. Because once again, it goes back to like society says like, oh, this looks weird. You know, like how can we, I wish there was just some way to like figure out what it is about sensation in our mouth. But then again, I'll go back a little bit further of like internal, right? We were talking about that a while ago. Well, it's like different for like each and every kid. Exactly. And like their mold, like especially four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, until maybe like they get their wisdom teeth in until they're 18, they're dealing with mouth difficulties because your teeth are shifting they're growing your molars are coming in your teeth are coming out they're going in all sorts of stuff is always going on with your mouth so that's probably I think personally what I have found the most difficult thing to decrease is mouthing sensory mm-hmm. and that is my soapbox <laughs> <laughs> yep and it, that can be dangerous too like you're not just going to ignore mouthing because if they're putting marbles in their mouth magnets you know swallowing that stuff that can be dangerous so marbles is something we deal with a lot at the clinic or like the littler legos for like older kiddos will play with like marble run or the lego sets and then like they leave it on the ground and then our smaller kiddos that do have a lot of mouthing behaviors will pick them up so like i know like that's something that we deal with at our clinic very often um you know what's something that I'm just thinking of now that has to do with mouthing is pica. Yes. Pica is a very prevalent disorder that we don't address. You know, it's, I think that it's Which very... is weird because we always have to rule out medical. Mm-hmm. And a teacher brought that up to me when I was in a school and we had a client who engaged in mouthing and she was like, he, like I don't think he has pica because it's a it's a it's like a nutrient deficiency and so like you know they were taken to the doctor it was 
there wasn't a nutrient deficiency. So like in that case, there was no pica. But I'm like, why haven't we ruled this out with other kids that I've seen mouthing with? Like we should always start there and it's not. And that's- I think it gets, gets overlooked a lot of the time. Agreed. And I think also like any sort of like eating- type behavior also gets overlooked right like because um there's one called Prater Willies right like where you can't stop eating and you eat literally everything and anything um and pica and Prater Willies can also kind of look similar because if you're eating anything and everything right pica is more eating like obviously objects um but like still I think Prater Willies also like you can start to see that as well which is also really like you don't, we don't think about those things, but I think also a lot of times it falls under that sensory part. If we're seeing a lot of mouthing behaviors and doctors are not able to see it as frequently as we are. And that's why it's also important that we are collaborating with providers, but, um, you know, I feel like we could talk about sensory all day. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to tangibles since we are going to wrap up in approximately two to three minutes. But no, I feel like we kind of touched on like tangibles and activities too. Like at the beginning when we were talking about attention and even with escape, like that's the, I feel like that tangible and activities, at least for me, like when I've seen it, it kind of gets wrapped into like other functions because there's a lot going yeah. on. You're usually removing it because there's other things going on or you're denying access because like you have to um, just like things like that. So I do feel like we touched at least a, at least one example of like all four functions. So like attention, escape, sensory, tangibles, like we kind of feel like we all kind of all kind of touched on that. Um, but then yeah, definitely part two, we should talk about like how we track this data and how to help like parents track this data. Um, Cause sometimes, I mean, again, from my experience, like the parents will bring it up to me or the BCBAs or you know, whoever be like, oh, this behavior is happening. And I'm like, well, I've, I've never seen that. Lippy space, never seen that. Like, so tell us more of what's going on, but they don't really know how to track it the way we should be. Yeah. I think that's an important episode to talk about too, is like how to take it. Um, so maybe, yeah, I think that we're going to have to wrap it up, um, as fun as it's been guys. <laughs> <laughs> and doing some crazy hand movements that we talked about in the very beginning. <laughs> We're all done. <laughs> Before we started recording, she started making hand movements that this means we only have a couple minutes left. Um, and she don't injure yourself, girl. Uh <laughs> um just for baseball, um, giving everyone a sign that <laughs> yeah, right, like baseball signs up in here. Um I don't know sports, so none of us play sports. <laughs> okay, sorry guys. Um, but anyways, I think that um, you know, we talked a lot about different like all these functions today, and I would love to pick it back up. Um, and I'm sure our listeners would as well. Um and you want to take it home? I am home. Mom jokes. Touches <laughs> of behavior, part two coming soon. Wouldn't it be like this though? All right, one and one is two. Part two. Okay.
There you go. Gee, that's four. There you go. There you go. Part 10. Your poor body in the oven is not going to know how to do math. (laughs) (laughs) For for your baby's sake, I hope that your husband knows how to do math better than you do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies. Well, it was like always a pleasure. Um, Thank you to our listeners as well. And uh, we'll see you next time on ABA Generalized. ABA Generalized, the podcast, is not providing professional advice. Please seek a professional in your area for specific advice and support.